And I'll tell you what, it's kind of fun. Today is October 14th. Hope you're having a fabulous weekend. Our hearts and prayers are going out to the folks over in the Middle East and in Israel for the conflict. Hope everybody stays safe. For this week, it has been a crazy week. We've had uh, so much news going across the news desk, not just the geopolitical things, but there's a couple things. There are three critical things to take a look at the price for energy, oil and gas. First thing, if Israel does retaliate against Iran and they take out their oil exports, price is going to shoot through the roof. So Iran had gone to about 3 million barrels per day exporting. China and India had been buying uh, all they could get their hands on, and that was giving uh, $70 billion to Iran through all of their cash. That has been in conjunction on where that had gone. The next one that could possibly happen is if, so that is Israel taking out Iran's export. The second one is if Iran mines the Strait of Hormoz. If that happens, we've seen the price go up in oil and exports and cripple exports. The third item that is up right now in the air is the fact that uh, the, the Mediterranean, the Leviathan field is right now, they are evacuating oil platforms off of the Strait of, or excuse me, off of the Mediterranean. Michael and I have talked about this for years. It is actually the Club Med, as he and I uh, talked about, one of the biggest oil and gas, or excuse me, biggest gas fields. 20% of Egypt's natural gas is uh, now being looked at being warned on shutoff. That's going to affect a lot of people in Egypt. Egypt has a real dilemma going on. If they open their border, they're going to just uh, open up the Gaza Strip for every all just to say they're going to lose their Palestine potential under the U.N. uh, Security Council uh, that had been going on. If they leave it closed, there is a potential for um, more deaths on the Egyptian border. The second order and third order of magnitude of all of this going on right now is the U.S. oil and gas shale is becoming more and more important. When we take a look at the important uh, articles in Michael's assessment of the Exxon um, Petroleum Acquisition or merger with um, Sheffield's company, uh, Pioneer Resources, All EMP operators, all oil and gas employees, all Americans are going to be more dependent for internal energy security. The third order of magnitude is our administration better get their act together on U.S. energy policies. Last one coming around the corner is China. Who knows what they're going to do, but I've heard rumblings that if they did ever say there, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to do it. Hey, on energynewsbeat.com, 
subscribe, like, share, share with your dogs, share with your family. There's a couple of stories out there that are pretty telling of what's going on. Uh, clean nuclear power. The North Carolina legislature says yes with veto override. So they, uh, uh, North Carolina is now saying they are all in on uh, nuclear. Pretty important. Taking a look at uh, Katanga's last Jaguar and Pumas, the wind farms are their newest threat there. That is huge because the energy hypocrisy of the wind farms and the amount of death and slaughtering is sad. Where, how do we protect animals against wind? How do we justify the lack of environmental caring on the, the green energy side? I'm a humanitarian and a um, ecological fan, where's the outcry? And so when you take a look at India's diesel exports to in Europe to soar to record high, that article's got a lot to it because it is all intertwined. And this is why we have really changed from just an oil and gas focused to energy focused. We all need to elevate humanity out of energy poverty around the world. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Pray, hug your family members and um, keep an eye out. Thanks and have a great day. Talk to you all soon. Okay. Um, it is a horrific thing and our hearts and prayers go out to everybody. Yes. But and Michael, with us and taking a look at the energy news beat, this is also about geopolitical and energy. And so when we, we have to understand the attack happened on an anniversary uh, 60 years ago, the Yom Kippur War of 1973, October 6th to October 25th. Here's the key. I got this graphic in there, and this is off of Twitter. Um, crude Michael went from $5 to $50. Wow. I, I went to Oklahoma State, but what percentage is that? A bunch. Interest rates from 6.5 to 18%. Oh, that makes me shiver. Uh, gold, 42.22 to 8.75. Stocks lost almost 50% the following 52 weeks, but ended about uh, even after seven years. So, this was the Yom Kippur War, and uh, Yom Kippur is a really big day for the uh, Jewish faith. And so when you go in, take a look at the other things in here. There are several bullet points that I just want to cover these as we outline them out. The crisis is not a repeat. All of the Arab countries joined in against Israel. This is now not that. Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Saudi Arabia, and the rest of the Arab world all pigpiled in on Israel. This is Palestine, and this is Iraq. Uh, excuse me, Iran. And so when you sit back and take a look at Iran, what just happened, Michael? The Biden administration just freed up $6 billion. There is a correlation there. The oil market itself doesn't have any of the pre-October 1973. Oil demand was surging. The world had all of its spare capacity uh, just wiped out. Now we have OPEC and we have Russia and we have uh, OPEC plus balancing out production versus demand. And so, Michael, you and I have been beating our heads up against the wall trying to figure out supply and demand rules have been thrown out. And so this is not the same. And I think the author has a very good point that number two, 
the oil market is not the same. However, they are not, take a look at this, aren't trying to boost prices be beyond a few extra dollars. Uh, OPEC and OPEC Plus and the Saudi leaders have said they want it at that 100 mark. They don't want to go below that because their profits are coming up big. So, uh, well, and this and this plays into the idea of, you know, having as much spare capacity. I think what's interesting is this. And so the article that you bring up here mentions that this terrorist attack that's going on right now in Israel is it's from Hamas, but it's really led behind the scenes by Iran. And right. part of this has been a result of the fact that we've been allowing and allowing Iran to bypass, quote unquote, export oil bans. And we've been sort of turning a blind eye to this. So one thing I find interesting is that in response to this attack, we might now enforce, actually start enforcing these sanctions. It remains to be seen, but they might doing this. That alone might push oil prices above $100. Um, I don't think we will. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm going to take the uh, advocate uh, side of the Biden administration that the Biden administration does not understand where the next bag of depends is going to come from. They have yet, they have weaponized the dollar and they have no way to enforce it. So I, I truly don't think they're going to enforce anything on Iran. So I love Javier Blas. I, I've read a few books by him. He's a great reporter from Bloomberg. Yes. The number eight point in this article is key. I disagree with though. I Why? do not believe we have enough oil in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to deal with another crisis. That was basically his other non-comparison to 1973 was that we have an SPR to work with. We've got a little bit of it. We don't have much. He goes, although it's at its lowest levels in 40 years. I was going to say. Big if. It's a big although. You know, although uh, he's dead, he could maybe help us out in the future. Uh, Javier's a rock star. And, and, and I mean, he is absolutely he is. Uh, very, very knowledgeable. But we are in a a geopolitical nightmare. Nobody bats and 100%. In baseball, you bat, you bat a, you bat 300%, you bat, you know, 33% of the time, you're right. the Hall of Fame. That's right. Now, you take a look at uh, who's going to benefit out of the Middle East war. It's going to be Russia. Russia and Iran are going to, to uh, I, Iran's got some cash flow that it, they've uh, unbelievable cash flow now. You're going to see that come in, but you're also going to see the oil from Russia. They're going to sell everything they possibly can. So the winners out of the war is Iran and Russia. So to, b before we move on, on an energy today, side, uh, I, I got to clarify that uh, the so energy winners. I want to bring it back to the beginning of the article where you talked about, hey, you know, the comparisons to the Yom Kippur War and what's happening now. You talked about right. oil prices going from five to 50, interest rates from six to 18, from <laughs> gold to 42 to 875. Do you believe that's going to happen right now? Or do you buy this article's analysis that it is different and we may not see that large of a spike in commodities prices? It is different but yet the same. And and we have a fantastic person out there. Uh, what is it? Uh, both of these things can be true. Uh, ah, I love Tisha Schuler. Both Tisha things can be true. And this is where I think we're going to play both sides of the fence here. Both sides, bo uh, both things can be true. And that is, you take a look at the percentage of five to 50 crude, we're already at a hundred at the strike price where Saudi Arabia really would like to keep it. Uh, Russia is making money hand over fist. We're at 84 Brent. So we're not quite there yet. But, but if you take a look at uh, last week, last week, Russia sold crude, Russian crude to India for $20 over over the sanction price. 
you know, they're not supposed to sell any Russian oil over $60 a barrel. They sold it at $80. India bought it. They're buying everything they can at 80. So even at a discounted price, it's there. Interest rates. I'm sorry. They're going to look at raise the interest rates again because they are the Fed is looking at, Michael, are you ready? They think that the economy is still going good. And they think that three and a half percent unemployment is actually too low, but there you have to analyze, and I'm going to go off sidetrack for just one second. The jobs numbers this past week were absolutely horrific. 40% of that three estimated 300,000 jobs, government, the other 40% were part-time jobs. So you start taking a look at the real high dollar, high net worth, those were 10,000 jobs. So the real job number, federal government does not create any value or jobs to the market. They are a job sucking black hole out of the life of Americans. <laughs> so think about those job markets. Think about the Fed thinking that they're going to increase inflation. Will it get to the 18%? I don't know. Uh, will it get to higher than it is? Yeah, I think you're going to see two more Fed rate, uh, raises. I think you're going to have to because I think you're going to. I think you are going to see a commodity price, especially when we see natural gas at three dollars and thirty three cents. We're going to see, I think, a commodities boom. So great coverage. Energy Newsbeat's going to have everything breaking down. What's going on with this terrorist attack in Israel from an energy side? Stu's going to keep us up to speed. On we appreciate. It. But we got to just talk Exxon here. So I mean, as we listen to this on Monday, obviously you've heard the rumors, and as you listen to this. You know, we're recording this on Sunday. So if if the rumors actually become true, we'll we'll try to throw in a, a new segment. But at the time of recording this, it's just rumors right now. The rumor is right. ExxonMobil is, is looking and, and and on the verge of purchasing Pioneer Natural Resources for an estimated $60 billion. Pioneer is an exclusive Permian operator and, and was one of the first companies to, to really take the Permian horizontal in terms of large-scale developmental. Um, Scott Sheffield the longtime CEO there since 1997 after their combination um after the the combination with Parker and Parsley he takes over as CEO set to retire at the end of this year and turn over operations to COO Richard Dealey but I don't think that's going to happen Stu I I think this is a deal that I think when you look back there you know multiple people in the past 6 months have said this is probably going to happen Exxon is going to go buy somebody they're going to buy right you know they're going to buy Pioneer they're going to buy EOG they're going to buy Oxy they're going to buy somebody and you know, and, 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 you know, yes, buying, you know, someone for five or $10 billion does good, but we knew that the, in this new age of M&A and consolidation, we knew something like this was going to happen. And I think the real question and, and the real, the real analysis point from this is exactly, and Stu brought up, brings a great article here, Exxon investors ready to invest buying existing oil over right. new drilling. This is a topic I love because this comes back to the idea of, well, if ExxonMobil has the ability and has all of these premium locations that they could drill, why do they go need to buy Pioneer, basically the number two Permian player for $60 billion? Is that because their Pioneer's locations are better? Interesting. So now what you're seeing is your ass. You know, this is always what people say. Don't listen to the words that I say. Listen to my actions. Right. Everyone listen keeps to my telling actions. us they have all these crazy locations and thousands of Double premium locations. We got to get some merch that says that. And everybody's got these accretive locations. Yet what is the what is what are people actually doing? Exxon says we're just gonna have to go buy 
you have to go buy that 700,000 BOE a day for 60 billion. You just got to go buy it. What is right? We can't. Why would we drill when we can go acquire? And I think that absolutely has been proven true. We've seen the rig count drop tremendously. I mean, I don't have the rig count. Let me pull up the rig count here, but. Because we that well, dropped, you know, on, Michael, that dropped on Friday. The the business models that you and I have it talked dropped about. Four. It's what oil prices have been up year over year. Oil prices are are up about fifty percent, and the rig count has dropped by a hundred and forty three. It's do as it's watch what I do, not do what I say. Right, uh, Michael. The best uh, investment deals you and I have been working on, and when uh, oil companies ask us to evaluate deals, and we take a look at this, some of the best deals for investors end up with a split between drilling new wells and buying PDP. And when you take a look at that, that's exactly what the big boys are doing. Well, it's a little. It, I would say it's a little bit more nuanced with that. Every company has a few good locations. The problem right. is. Nobody has a, everyone claims they have a thousand good locations and that's a scam. So what you're seeing is Exxon may have some good locations, but in their macro analysis, they want to grow. They, they have a target and grow. They right. see that target for growth is easier and quicker by using M&A to just acquire that missing BOE per day instead right. of going out and drilling it. So what does that tell you? The risk off play is acquisition. So for me, what this says going forward is you're going to see a lot more of this. Chevron is squarely on the clock right now, and they've got EOG, Oxy, Diamondback. There's a few others out there that are, in my opinion, I'm sure hard at work talking to the ConocoPhillips, the Chevrons, and probably the shells of this world to say, what next? Right. And I think you're going to see more and more of it. So who do you think, I mean, I have my opinions, but who do you think is the next company Give your prediction right now because you know, everyone's going to be throwing out the predictions. Let's get us on the record. Who do you think your ne- the next M&A combo is? Well, that's a big open-ended question. They're almost all in play. And the reason for that is uh, you're going to take a look at does a company like Exxon or BP or anybody else actually want to come in and say, I want into the Balkan. Do I want to get into the Eagleford? Eagleford's on the way down in M&A activity. So I think that it's Army going players. to be, you take a look at, you know, uh, Continental's coming back and it went back private. You take a look at, is it a Haynesville play uh, or is it a Marcellus play? It's going to be play driven, I believe. No, you're absolutely right. You're you're absolutely right. And that's why I, I think there's one company that I think I'm going to take off the table. I don't think Oxy's going to sell. No. I think they could sell their Colorado assets. But I don't think Warren Buffett is necessarily looking to cash out per se. And I think he's going to be very picky and probably doesn't want to own Chevron stock because I think that's the other end of the deal with this Exxon Pioneer. We don't right. know whether it's going to be a we don't know what the final value is going to be. I mean, 60 billion on a market cap of 50 billion for for Pioneer seems a little light. Seems to be that they got to get a, you know, 65, 70. I don't know what their their corporate models look like. We'll have to plug the numbers in, but seems to be that's a little light for Pioneer. So the question right. will be is that a mix of cash, stock or or, you know, Currently, as as of 2020, Jan, you know, their last quarterly report in 2023, they got about 30 billion cash on hand. So they're going to finance the rest to pay all in cash, or are they going to finance that with a mix of stock? And I think that will tell me what happens with Oxy. Because remember, Warren Buffett is still the largest shareholder in Oxy and has a lot of control and a lot of say. And I wouldn't say control, I would say a lot of gusto to be able to say, hey, no, I, I, if, if, if we're going to sell, I want all cash. 
And if he wants an all cash offer, I doubt anybody but Exxon is going to be able to do that. And Exxon just took themselves off the table by acquiring Pioneer. So I think right. unless Warren Buffett is looking to take Chevron stock, and I think Chevron or BP are probably the only two companies that could buy Oxy, unless he wants to do that, which I don't think he does because he could do that right now. He could right. do that if he wanted to, but he's not. Why? Because I think he wants the large independent. I don't think he wants the large integrated company because I think he sees that they're not as tied to the commodity price, which again, he's playing a commodities boom here clearly. And he's playing off the macro theory of energy is going to become more scarce, which means those things are going to become more valuable. So I think, I don't know what the next is. I think EOG is probably the next one off the table. Chevron EOG makes sense. The problem is EOG is a little bit spread out. They don't, they have their core Permian operations. I think you're right, Stu. The plays are going to be extremely helpful, but I'm taking Oxy off the table. I think they're going to stand tight and not. And if anything, they're going to try to swoop up some of the smaller guys in order to prop themselves up. And maybe two years from now, they look to sell. But I think Warren Buffett's holding out right now. Uh, I would agree. But let me throw this uh, prediction out there. I think that Oxy has teed itself up for carbon capture. And I think that it has done an outstanding job getting into that multi-trillion dollar market. We've seen the quote unquote supposed death of ESG investing. I call for a great awakening in that last year. I think that within the next uh, the next two years, you're going to see the lack of funding being able to go into carbon capture. Oxy is teed up right now for success as long as the gravy train for funding keeps going. Because you're going to see the market now coming around and they're saying, is the regulatory issue going to start coming in and saying, uh, are the uh, mandates going to be on declaring your carbon output? Well, then you got to buy carbon credits or you got to do carbon uh, capture. Carbon capture is a market that is solid today. I think that if it goes in a certain way, carbon capture market is going to fall the way of wind. How many years from now? I'm not sure. But wind is becoming unsustainable. And I think carbon capture market is going to be unsustainable. So Warren Buffett, I think, is on track now with Oxy. I think Oxy for the long term is not a good play. Make sense? No, I agree. I think, again, it's uh, it's crazy. So I, you know, I think not that this is a, you know, we will obviously, if, if, if we will, we will probably, once this actually happens, we'll probably have to do a separate, almost breaking news podcast to probably break down all right. the details in there. We may have to do a little deal uh, valuation. I think it'll be interesting to see what, what the, what the value comes down, but there's so much that goes into this, this valuation. I mean, you know, Pioneer is, is stripping lithium out of their water and selling, reselling that lithium on the open market. So there's a lot more that goes into it than just some PDP and some PUDs. So very interesting to break this all down. Oil prices and energy stocks surge after attack on Israel. Uh, here's what comes next. This is a pretty uh, nice little article kind of following up from yesterday. Right out of the article, uh, U.S. listed energy stocks were set for a positive open. Among them were uh, ExxonMobil, uh, up 3.9 in uh, trading. Uh, Chevron was up 3 Conoco Phillips uh, was gained uh, 4.4. Occidental was up 4.2. And uh, Michael, uh, a lot of the investment houses uh, around the U.S. were saying uh, Hallib even Halliburton was up uh, 6.1. Uh, 
uh, formerly Schumberger, uh, boy, Schumberger. We're uh, keeping that even... in the show. That's unbelievable. Schumberger for all you <laughs> folks listening. <laughs> I am such a dope. Uh, 4.3. That is Oklahoma State graduate, by the way. Yes, I was going to uh, say. Okay. Uh, these events uh, are really, here's where I want to just kind of give it a, a shout out to our show yesterday. Michael, yesterday on the show, we said that it was a 300% increase back uh, on the first Israeli uh, Yom Kippur War, $5 to $50. Right now, we don't see it going that way because it's a different market. Several different things are going on unless because of the uh, Secretary Yellen uh, out there saying about the Russian uh, crude going out. The Iranians' sanctions don't work either. If Israel goes out and takes out the Iranian oil wells, you will see a huge spike. And there's two reasons for this. Yeah, I'll also be getting drafted if that happens. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Oh, it, it, it doesn't. But on the uh, here's why. There are two stories going out there as to why... Iran allegedly, uh, for our podcast listeners, I'm holding up the quotations, allegedly, uh, is not funding uh, Hamas by the $6 billion that the Biden administration put in. I heard great things that it was uh, not great things that they did it, but the amount of oil that they've been selling to China, just like Russia at that $80 mark. Uh, above sanctions and outside of OPEC plus production quotas has, they think, $70 billion has been the revenue stream. So $70 billion funded the attack on a good portion of it instead of the $6 billion. Loved all that analysis. Here's uh, where I think it's going to really go on up. Does all that make sense, Michael? No, it, it makes sense. I thought you, you again, you find it interesting in the midst of an oil price shock. The stocks that are up more so are Marathon and Oxy and Conoco, which are more pure play EMP operators than you see Exxon and Chevron only up 3.9 and 3 percentage points. So you can right. you can see where the, the difference comes in. I think the, the article that you have next, investors look to oil prices, Israel slash Hamas conflict, quote, unnerving global markets, points out that obviously oil prices are going to continue to rise. But I think what's going to exacerbate the commodities boom issue <laughs> is the fact that interest rates are about to spike. I mean, we've seen the odds for interest rates here at right. home to increase have basically doubled since this or not doubled. I think it's about a, have increased about 25 percent in the next Fed meeting. Um, after these results. So I personally, Stu, think that's going to be the biggest hit when it comes to Wall Street is the fact that now interest rates are going to continue to stay high in this commodity style boom in order to help hopefully curb inflation. I, I would agree. Uh, major headwinds threaten offshore wind targets. We've been seeing, Michael, you and I have been talking about some of the yep. real problems going on, but I think this is really uh, hopping into some big numbers here. And uh the last five years, the top four listed turbine producers outside China have lost $7 billion in over $5 billion alone. That's a lot of billions, even by my standard. What does they it say? Lost- last year, the chief executive of that same uh, turbine maker, Vestas, says that the company lost 8% on every turbine sold. And that's with 
tax incentive. So, oh, really? My, uh, do what? Oh, really? That's with tax incentives. That's with or subsidy. That, that's post tax. Yes, subsidies. So here's where it gets in here and says warranty issues drive turbine losses. These things were not made to be indestructible. They're not made the last 30 years. Uh, you and I have talked about my crayon numbers from Oklahoma State University. I mean, my crayon broke four or five times. And it is pathetic that they are fiscally unreliable uh, from day one. So, okay. Siemens is now finding some serious problems. Here's a quote from Dr. Wei Zhang. He's a senior risk consultant at Natural uh, Resources Construction. This is an offshore uh, outfit. We are quite used to wind turbines with 8 megawatts, 9 megawatts, but we're seeing newer models reach 14 megawatts or 18 megawatts. A project in Australia even planning on using 20 megawatts. Inevitably, the size creates a a corresponding increase in risk and more whales, Michael, that they can kill. Although wind turbines are up. engineered, yeah, pick them up. Uh, engineered to work within certain conditions, there's a lack of real world data on both performance and long term impacts on these larger turbines and their associated infrastructure. Okay, I'm going to go down to Rob West. I want to read this quote. Physics inherently punishes larger turbines. Larger blades will inherently deflect more, which means they need stiffer spar caps, shear webs, and more expensive materials. They will also weigh more, which pushes more stress and strain through the blade root and uh, nacelle during each rotation. Rob West, Thunder uh, said energy. Michael, if our producer will roll this in, wind turbine growth, power output, maximum rotor diameter. This almost reminds me of, for our podcast listener, it starts in 1995 with a little tiny little windmill, and then it goes to 2023, and it's like huge. This almost reminds me of the uh, evolution chart. You see the monkey in the left-hand side, and he's walking along, and it keeps growing bigger. This is showing. Size, my, you hear this a lot, Michael. I know you do. Size matters, right? I know you hear this. I don't hear it as much and as I'm I would not, like to. I, I'm not hearing it about your height. Mm, mm, yes, uh, okay. definitely not hearing yeah. it as much um, as I would like. Um, I do find it interesting, though, Stu. Darn physics, man. Physics is against ESG. Physics I think that's, that's what I learned out of this. Physics is anti-climate. Oh, it is. And it, it is uh, unbelievable. Fraser McCain, uh, McLean, CEO of uh, G-Cube Insurance. This is the other key point in here. The push to rapidly develop more powerful machines is piling pressure on manufacturers, the supply chain and insurance market. Scaling up is creating a growth financial risk that pose a fundamental threat to the sector. He's dead on right. And Michael, a few days ago, we talked about on this very podcast, if you can remember, and I know, hang on, this is a moment of silence for your memory. Okay, thank you. And and that is that uh, we talked about the EV, the EVs, Michael, 
the insurance companies, when we talked in the UK, was it, one guy went from a thousand pounds of insurance yep. cost to five thousand pounds. Insurance is going to break the ESG mode. I guarantee you, it's the insurance guys, and they know the number. Yeah, what and they'll think? charge you for it. Trust me. Israel Hamas conflict directly impacts oil and gas prices. I just talked to David Blackman about an hour ago, and as we were talking about it, he did agree that if there's two really big unknowns out there, if Israel gets upset that the Hamas uh, money to do the strikes in did come from Iran, Iran has gotten, I've heard everything from $30 billion to $70 billion that they have shipped in income in oil going out to China, India. And I've even got, I'm tracking down oil to the United States. And I'm trying to make sure I say that correctly. So I don't want to give any misinformation. So people are buying oil from Iran. That has funded a lot of money, and people have been saying all over the place that uh, Iran is a big supporter of Hamas. So if Israel tries to take out the export uh, facilities in Iran, that will really make it tougher for uh, Iran as well. I mean, excuse me, for India and China. And then there was also an article that just came out that. uh, Russia had sold uh, oil to India at $80, which was above the cap, uh, the, the EU sanction cap of $60. So when you take a look at all that, that one thing could impact heavily the price of oil. I want to go into some natural gas here in a second. But if Iran mines the Strait of Hermas, that could also, that is a huge channel for tankers around the world. That could be another one. In this article that we were talking about, Israel has suspended operations at the offshore Tamar gas field and security precautions and is investigating alternative fuel sources. This is huge. Um, It will also impact Israel's trading partners, including Egypt, who imports Israel's gas, has has been cut by 20%. That's uh, a lot of gas for Egypt. Although not directly targeted by Hamas, Israel's Israel's commercial ports have also been impacted by the surprise offensive. We continue to supply our customers, the spokesperson said. Chevron also, though, is focused on the safe and reliable supply of natural gas in the Leviathan field. Um, The Leviathan field is huge and critical for the LNG natural gas into Europe as well, too. It's one of the world's largest deep water gas reserves and 200 engineers uh, designed with 7,000 workers from 25 different countries built out the Leviathan field. We're going to be watching this and uh, uh, that is a huge one. Taking out gas production in the Leviathan field would be the other third cornerstone that if Iran got in and really tried to impact this, this whole area could be impacted. A third order of magnitude would be the importance of the U.S. oil and gas shale plays coming online. So 
all of that is directly impacted on each other. 